Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. You've got exactly ten minutes to decide if you really want to know. You have built this city. Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've done today. Based on fiction. All right, welcome to another episode of True Stories Based on Fiction, uh, the podcast and YouTube show now. Um, this is the second iteration, well, not iteration, second edition of our lockdown interview sessions. Last time we had Rag Morales, and that's on the podcast network this week. Well, last week now, as, uh, as this is coming out, and tonight we have Dan Frager. Uh, so Dan Frager has a very important uh, Indiegogo campaign we're going to talk about, among some other things. How's it going tonight, Dan? I'm doing great, man. Thank you. Good Thank you, Evan. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely, man. Thank you for coming back on. You're our second returning guest. Who was your first? Ron Mars. Ron Mars. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talented dude. Very talented, Very talented guy, dude. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um. So first question. Uh. So we'll, we'll start light. Last time that okay. you spoke, <laughs> you said that you were dropping a mixtape. Where's that mixtape, bro? It's been two years. Uh, that's a fantastic question. Uh, <laughs> la- last time we spoke, w- which was uh, about two and a half years ago, yep, I was working at Mattel, living in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, I got uh, I got laid off. Uh, my wife got pregnant. The house we were living in, my landlord gave to his son as a wedding present, oh, and we ended up moving to Georgia. So mm-hmm. now we're in Georgia. Uh, I have now I have a full studio set up and have been recording. So I've got a lot more tracks and it'll the mixtape will be coming sooner than later. Okay. Uh, but you got me. You got me. Because <laughs> I've been waiting for it, man. And then I life see all happened, man. Like life definitely sounds like life definitely happened because uh, I see you on the grandmother time. Like you're, you're always uh, submitting some fire. So like, man, wait a minute. Yeah. I got to ask Dan about this damn mixtape. You talked about two and a half years ago. I know it's taking too long, <laughs> taking too long. But more, more life as it happened, so I have more to more to rap about. Right, Bef- right. Before then, before then, it was you know, corporate. I work at a corporation. <laughs> I drive the traffic all day. <laughs> now life is like happened. a boss. <laughs> yeah. Um. So also touching on rap for a second. Uh, since we spoke last, I feel like your boy Logic blew up and. I would argue kind of fell off. Do, do you think he fell off by putting out too many projects back to back to back with uh, a decrease, in my opinion, a decreasing scale of quality? That's an interesting question. Um, as a fan of his, I like his older stuff better, but that's mm-hmm. like, it's such a cliche thing. Like even rappers talk about it. I like your old stuff than buy my old shit. Right, so like right. even Jay-Z talks about that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for him, life has happened. He just had a baby. You know, he started uh, his record label. Uh, he's he's taking care of a lot of people. Uh, it was weird, though, because pre-1800, mm-hmm. his stuff had a, a vibe to it, w- which was very boom bap and old school. Yep. Po- post-1800, uh, it's like... I th- there's a, a thing my friends and I used to say when we talked about the Matrix, right? Watching someone become Neo 
is more interesting than watching someone be Neo. And I think right. after 1-800, Logic was Neo. And mm-hmm. up until then, he was becoming Neo. And I think that's, in a nutshell, I think that's what happened. That's that's actually a great analogy, and I totally agree. And I feel like he, yeah, the pressure kind of got to him, and and he and he does what I call the Eminem and Jordan Lucas curse. It's too rapidly rap. Oh, bibbidi bobbidi ribbidi bobbidi Exactly, exactly, exactly. I feel like he he definitely he suffers from that. Now, hopefully, he can come back and just kind of slow up because he put like I think like three out in one year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was too many. It was too many and yeah, that the 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 machine gun flow I think it works. The thing I like is uh what was there was a song that he had uh was it Fade Away where he goes uh tell me who wanna wanna live with a life like this. Yes. Oh, I'm in LA quite like this. It's like he had a flow and then he bibbit bibbit it and then came back out of it. <laughs> yep, yep. And I yep. like that because it's flourish, right? But mm-hmm. like if you if you look at like Eminem, like that Godzilla challenge where it's just but it's like <laughs> I, I can't track with you, man. I like right. I like my favorite rapper is Rakim, right? Like mm. hands down, Rakim and I it makes me sound like an old man, but Rakim is like the best to me. The thing I like about him is he's clear. Uh, yes. there's, he's painting a picture, you know, if he was going that fast, you would go, whoa, 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 what? Like great, great, <laughs> great technical skill. Rhyme scheme is nice. Cause it's bouncing in and out and, and all of yes. that. But, uh, there's a, a rock group, uh, a dream theater, Japan, and they've been around for a long time. Right. And dream theater, or if you want to take an American rock group like Rush, they are called prog rock and they, yes. they're, they're, they're technically a bet. They're awesome. And they're like mathematically right on the grid. But, but at a certain point, it becomes, uh, mechanical and, mm-hmm. and it lacks, it lacks anything inter- of interest. You know, I like things even when it comes to comic books, right? Like if someone is super clean, like, super clean i don't like their stuff as much as when they're super detailed like if you take someone like stephen platt for example right i like stephen platt's older work because there was a bit of crunch and organicness to it where his later stuff like soul saga while it may have been quote-unquote better drawn it was sort of machined and 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 less interesting yeah i know exactly what you mean and i definitely agree um yeah. So who, who, what new rap are, are you are you fucking with right now? Uh That's tough, man, because it's uh not a lot of really good new stuff and I, I know that sounds bad again. Like I, I mean, it's a fact. You know, I go, "Oh, yeah, it's I don't know. Like obviously I like uh, I like when Drake does a good joint. Uh mm-hmm. and I that's like, uh man, I it's hard to admit that, uh, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I, I, Uzi Vert, I gave him a listen. So, some of it's inter- interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was, uh, you, what's his name? Baby. Uh, the ba- well, there's little baby. There's the baby. baby. There's baby. The baby. The baby. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, which one? The baby. Uh, yeah. I'll always give Kendrick a listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, 
there I mean I listen to I have several playlists that I follow on Tidal, Spotify and Apple. Like I mm-hmm. try to get a good swatch of things. I'll listen to like Rap Caviar or like yeah. the 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 Nation Top 100. There's a lot of sameness. Uh there there's you know I'm not a big fan of the 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 lyrical content, you know? Like I uh, I like I said before, the reason I like guys like Rakim and other guys is their storytelling, right? Even with Kendrick's stuff, he's not flossing. He's storytelling. He has a mm-hmm. point, you know? Uh, I like Drake because his flows are weird. Like, they're, <laughs> yeah. they're just weird. And, like, they're unexpected. He's almost like um, like the, the Todd McFarlane of rap, you know? It's like... That's interesting. It's like this sort of, like, you're bouncing and then you're like, what was that? Oh, he, oh, he went down instead of up. Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Trippy. You know, like, like that, that when I, when I listen to, to Drake, I find new stuff, but, um, man, nothing's, nothing's hit. There hasn't been anything where I'm like, Oh my God, I, I got to give this another listen. Even, even Eminem's like music to murder by or whatever it was yeah, called. Man. I gave it, I gave it two solid rotations and was like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, you know, so not not a lot of new stuff, a lot of old stuff still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I host a, a, a rap music podcast on the same network that that this show is on, and uh, and my co-host on that show, he still loves Eminem, and a lot of my friends still love Eminem, but Eminem is probably in in two in twenty twenty my least favorite rapper because he he's become a parody of himself at this point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, I can't do it. it. It's tough and and this is this is a place that I feel like uh this is why lyrical content matters, right? Like mm-hmm. if you I always try to compare like comic artists and 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 music, right? So mm-hmm. the thing about Eminem that was interesting in the beginning was he had this sort of cadence to the way he would release singles. He would put out something yeah. silly then he put out something dark and then he put out something silly and something dark. But each time he did, he was touching on new topics, right? Yes. yes. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, people are there. There's, will the real me stand up? You know, the, then there's the, the Stan idea or, and, you know, the guilty conscience and like all that early stuff was topical and different. Then he changed his flow up in, in, was it curtain call my brain? Like, I, I think. Right after Curtain Call, like when he, because I think you talk about when he started having all those fucking accents and shit, right? Yeah. Now yeah. I think that was after Curtain Call, because Curtain Call was was um the greatest hits album, I believe, and then he came out with like Recovery, Relapse, and all that. Trash. That's where it stopped. That's where it stopped. Agreed. That's where it stopped. Agreed. And I don't know, and I hate to say this, but I don't know if him getting clean is where he went whack. <laughs> Cause you hear shit, you hear shit like lose your, he says, he said oh in an God. interview, he, he didn't remember recording lose yourself. Like he said, he did that in a night and I'm like, yo dude, the arms heavy, palm sweaty, you know, vomit on a sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. That's some genius ass yes. rhyme scheme, you know, and he kept yes. it going. And then you find out he was on pills when he did it. And you're like, what? You know, <laughs> I don't ever want to go, go back on the pills. It's like, obviously you don't. You don't want that, but but uh, I think when you have that much breadth of of content so early on, you can either a 
upgrade your content, upgrade your technique. Mm-hmm. But what happens if you don't do both and you or you just upgrade your technique? You start getting that machine gun flow. You start getting the, the self-parody. Yes. You know, I'm just a better, faster version of the old me. That's not a place to go, man. You have to no. constant, constantly reinvent yourself. That's what those, like what I call it the, 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 the Disney turnaround, right? Like mm-hmm. you get a girl, you get a girl that's squeaky clean. She puts out two albums of being squeaky clean. Then she gets dirty, right? <laughs> like even, even Christina Aguilera got dirty and like right, she called right. it dirty, but dirty. You look at, you look at Miley Cyrus, you look at Britney Spears, you look at, uh, all, all the, the girls, even Ariana Grande, the newer girls. Mm-hmm. We're clean, we're dirty, we're provocateurs, we're now fashionistas. Like they're constantly changing what they're, what they are. Eminem, he's got no, like he's got nowhere to go unless he says, listen, I need to make something with topical content, but I, I don't know. He can't. It's that Stephen Platt thing, man. It's like he lost the crunch. He lost the crunch and it became a more refined, more efficient, better quote unquote version of himself. But that better isn't, there's no more funk. There's Mm -hmm. no more soul. And the soul in funk has edges and imperfections and those are all gone. Yeah. I think the M is a perfect example of what happens when as an artist, sometimes you don't sit the fuck down and shut the fuck up after you say what you had to say. Right, because sure. and, and not now some artists like say like a Jay Z, he can he can probably put an album until until his seventies and they'll still be poignant and relevant. But M, but yeah. Eminem, I think he just had a little pocket of time that, that that he was hot, and now he keeps trying to recapture that, and then he gets mad when people don't like his shit. So he make a whole album addressing why people don't like his shit when he's he's better served by sitting the fuck down. Just sure, enjoy his money and sit the fuck. Well, down. that's the thing, man. Like. uh there's being cool and there's trying to be cool, right? Exactly. Like, and that's the thing. Jay-Z, I, I have a feeling that if he reached into his pocket, there would be no fucks found. You know what I mean? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I wish there was I wish there was somebody new out there. Like, uh, I, I wish, you know, and it's hard. And, and like, there, I, I had two people send me uh, this track in the last day, like different okay. people that don't even know each other. Right. And I, and, uh, I thought it was nice, but it's all, it's all old schoolers, right? It's a, uh, uh, RA, the rugged man, dragon fire mm. featuring Ghostface, wow. master killer, cool G rap. Wow. Uh, and extreme, right. That's boom bat. And I, I love yeah. boom bat, but this is the thing I wonder about boom bat because I'm so, I have this saying, you can't, read the label when you're in the jar right Mm. and i love boom bap so much but then i wonder am i like that old dude at the barbecue that (laughs) says like man rolling stones led zeppelin man that's real rock and roll what's this garbage you know like have i turned into that person (laughs) right right. you know i mean see the thing is i think that I try. I make a conscious effort to to never be that guy to where I say, "Oh, this is real rap. This is real comedy." Because if you're putting out music and you, and you if you want to call it rap, then it's rap. I think that that's right. up for the person who makes the art to decide what it is. So I'm not gonna say this sure. is real rap. This is fake rap. This is all rap. But um, 
are, are, is there things that I prefer? Yes. Like, I'm personally not like a boom bap fan, a, a boom bap rap fan. I, I, I was more of a fan of like, say, like the southern rap of the 90s, like some good old, uh, 8 Ball and MJG, 3 Six Mafia, uh, UGK. That's kind of like where, where, where I was coming from with it, but I know that things evolve and like those, those groups aren't as, as as pop as they were back then, but I, I still like it. I, I, I try to have an open ear for like newer shit too. You missed you missed the best name of all the South, man. Who's that? Scarface. I personally, Scarface is nothing for me. Really? For oh my me. god, man! He, he doesn't do a damn thing for me. I respect him. He paints him. a picture. He paints a picture, man. But I know what you're saying. Those, those, the, there's a. It's almost like you could say Southern rap, but it almost needs to be Southeast, you know, yeah. that, that Louisiana, Tennessee, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, cause Texas, you, Texas had like all that screw rap and all that yeah. other stuff. But man, I love Scarface. Yep. Yeah. I mean, people love Scarface and I definitely give him his props, but to me personally, besides, uh, uh, the ghetto boys, uh, like my, uh, like mind playing tricks in me song. That, that, that's one of the best rap songs of all time. Dude, it, it's a. They need to make a, a like a a movie of that yes. song. Like just <laughs> expand song. it out and make yeah. it a movie. And and then like if, if I remember that song barely even has a hook. I think the hook is just my mind's playing tricks with me, something like that, right? That's I, it. I, I, I but, like there's actually have, a hook. Hook. That there's lines in there, robbing little kids for bags. Like yeah. just you know, oh damn, homie, my mind's playing tricks. I mean, there's song. yeah, I mean the. <laughs> Oh, that's the hook. That's the hook. Innovative, man. That was some creative shit. Um, yeah. But now, but now we're shift gears back to what people probably came like listen for. Um, so yes. you have a project coming out on Indiegogo as of today. But before we touch on that, you're also contributing to um, doing covers for another project, correct? That's right. Yeah, I I just did uh two covers for Red Sonia and Evil Ernie for Age of Chaos, Red Sonia Age of Chaos. And uh I thought it would be a great idea when when Dynamite had talked to me about it. I said, "Oh my gosh, this is this is serendipitous to me because Red Sonia debuted in Conan the Barbarian number 23, which is like my number." It also came out in 1973, the year of my birth. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yo, that makes perfect sense. And then Evil Ernie debuted in December of 1991, which is the the month and year that I broke into comics. So I thought, what a great, what a great way to bring Black Flag back, uh, by doing these covers with Dynamite. And also it's a good way for me to sort of see how Indiegogo works. I wasn't quite sure. Uh, how crowdfunding works. I have a lot of friends that have done crowdfunding uh, on, on both platforms. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really interesting to see how that works. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that was really exciting, uh, especially to be drawing those characters again, seeing them, seeing them on a cover, especially seeing them with other characters, like a classic, like Red Sonia or a contemporary, like Evil Ernie was uh, just a thrill. Beautiful. Beautiful. Uh, and that campaign is going pretty well. So I guess uh, let, let's start here then. So what made you make the choice between Kickstarter and 
Indiegogo? Because like you said, like they're both pretty viable options. So why did you choose one over the other? Uh, I did, I did some research on each and Indiegogo seems to me like the way the tiers are set up are, is a little more clear. The fact that you can do add-ons, I like the idea that someone can say, Hey man, it's like when you go, I don't know if, uh, if you have fries out there. It's an electronic store, but they, you know, or even when you go to Walmart, right? You go and you mm-hmm. buy your, you buy your ground beef, your jug of milk, and you're like, oh shit, look, there's a set of headphones. I need headphones. And you grab them, right? Like that's a, that's like an add on. So the fact that, that Indiegogo has that ability, if somebody says, Hey, I'm, I want to get your book, but I also want to get a t-shirt. I'm going to add that t-shirt at the end and I don't have to make a t-shirt mm. tier. I like the idea that Indiegogo will allow that. I, at their presentation, um, they seem to have, uh, a lot of progressive, uh, ideas on there. I funded a, a few books there. Uh, I don't know. As a platform, it seemed to work better for, for my needs. Especially yes. the especially the add-ons part. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, so getting right into it then. Uh, so you're starting uh, Indiegogo as of today, and what is that campaign going to be about? This Indiegogo campaign is for Black Flag Pineapple Perception. It's the very first uh, comic book featuring Black Flag in 25 years. Mm. Uh, it starts off where Black Flag ended. In 1995 and Black Flag wow. 4, uh, but you don't have to read you don't have to read the old ones to uh, to get up to speed. I've designed the story in a way where you can in the first 10 pages know what's going on, know who the characters are, and, and jump right in. Uh, for anybody that wants to uh, get up to speed, I have a, a a campaign mail list that you can go to on Indiegogo, where if you sign up. Just for signing up, I send you a PDF of issue zero, one, two, three, and four oh, for wow. free. For free. So you, if you want to get caught up, there they are. Uh, so I, I've got this story that I've been wanting to tell now uh, since 1995. We we get our heroes like the 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 tagline that I have for them is Black Flag saving the Earth one world at a time. So <laughs> it it'll, it makes people go wait one world at a time. Isn't the Earth one world? And then I say uh, the one above, the one we know, and the one below. So they're mm. protect they're they're protecting us from galactic threats. They're they're protecting us from like you know your normal Earthbound uh, villain like like a, a the Kingpin or Doctor Doom would be an Earthbound sort of villain. But then the ones below are like the devil himself, right? Mm. Or supernatural characters. So when we jump into this book, we find that the middle of Dagger City has a giant sinkhole in it and uh they think it's a uh, a city problem. Yo, if we get our tractors in there and lift it up and fix some pipes and fill it in, things would be fine. And the news news reporters are doing a report on it and suddenly the military arrives and they're like, "Why is the military here?" Mm-hmm. Suddenly, uh all all things from hell come out of this hole and start just de- demolishing the military. And Black Flag is called in, and we jump right into that that meat grinder in the first ten pages, and we see like wow. why is there this sinkhole? What what's going on? What is the history of Dagger City? Why is that important? Uh, and we also get into a little more backstory uh, on each of the characters. Plus, 
the introduction of some concepts, like I said, I've been very excited to introduce since 1995. Oh, wow. So is this going to be a, 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 like an OGN? Is it going to be a series of books? Oh, it's going to be series. It's a, okay. it's going to be four issues. My favorite comic book of all time is, is the dark Knight uh, by Frank Miller that came out in 86. If I have my way, uh, I'll do it almost exactly the same with the perfect mm. binding, 48 pages each. If, you know, it, I have to price it out. We're still in the process of pricing it out if it makes sense at the, the price point. Uh, but it's four issues. The first one is called Pineapple Perception. The second one is called WTF. Uh, the third and fourth, uh, the third and fourth don't have any monikers on them, but it's a four part story. The thing is already written. Uh, and I will guarantee that the end of issue one will um, will break people's brains. It'll either mm-hmm. make them it'll either make them it'll make them feel like the end of Empire Strikes Back. That's all wow. I can say. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so and so is a campaign. So, so people who uh, fund the campaign is that going to be to get mm-hmm. the entire series or just the first issue? The first issue. I want to okay. give people a chance. Yeah, I don't want them to go all in. I mean, I know, I know, uh, I've seen other campaigns where they could go all in. They invest in like, uh, the futures, right? They get like a special right. box and they get everything that ever comes out. Uh, I, I want to see how the book does first. Cause it, you know, what if I say, oh, this is for all four and then, uh, it doesn't do as well as it should to fund all four. And the next thing you know, I can't put it out. I don't want to do right. that. Uh, I'd rather, I'd rather put it out, have people see what it's about, realize they need more of it and then put out another one. Gotcha. And so is, is this going to be fully self-funded then, or are you working with a publisher as well? I am the publisher. I have a, uh, my, my company's called incredible comics. Mm. Uh, the, the funding for everything so far has come out of my own pocket. Uh, but you know, the, the crowdfunding aspect of it is obviously to uh, pay for everybody's time. You know, we're treating it like it's a job. I have a page rate. My writer has a page rate. The inker does. The colorist does. Plus, you know, the cost of of printing it, the cost of fulfilling it, um, and anything additional is uh, capitalism at its finest, you know? (laughs) You know? Right, the American way. Um, So so what do people... Okay, so... uh, before we spoke about tiers, so what are the tiers of funding for uh, Black Flag? These, I know this is this is airing the day it, it comes out, <laughs> so that people will be able to see. But you and I are talking eight days beforehand. Correct. Uh, it's in flux. What I know right now is that we have uh, two different covers. We have uh, we have uh, also a sketch cover. We have an original art tier both single and double page i will uh in mid campaign i'm introducing a one of a kind pair of nike air cortez that i do oh. a, a whole scene on so it'll be oh. like almost like a comic book page on a shoe um wow so, so that that's going to be a unique tier to itself i even have a song i wrote a song for the shoe called nike that uh, yeah, it, the song nice. that song's done. Uh, I'll send it to you. Uh, <laughs> okay, I have, to, yes, I, I have to I have to re-record it because I feel like my cadence on it is shit. You know, mm. I, I think I was tired that day. Um, 
and it had a, a bit of the bibbity boppity in there. You know, <laughs> Turn some of that out. Uh, but, uh, th- we've got that. So there, there's, uh, there's that. We're talking about different stretch goals of, uh, trading cards and lithographs and such. Uh, also introducing some add-ons like shot glasses and, and, and pint wow. glasses and things like that that people may want, uh, in addition to like expand upon the experience. But right now it's pretty simple. You know, it's, it's, uh, one book. Uh, two covers. Oh, that's the thing I forgot. We're also doing a, um, there's an ash can. It's a perfect rep. Mm. rep it's called a, uh, I don't know if we're calling it a replica edition or an archive edition of the 1994 ash can that we put out at San Diego oh, wow. Comic Con. Cause those are really rare. The original is there's only 500 of them. And I, I personally only own two. Uh, and mm. I've, I've seen them out on eBay go as low as 30 bucks and as high as 130, depending on who's selling wow. it. So I thought that would be a good item to include. We're also doing a 25th anniversary, uh, reprint, uh, of the first issue. So that's going to be in the tiers as well. So you can get wow. like a, an all in sort of thing where you get the two covers, the ash can and the, and the 25th anniversary book. Um, so these are all, these are all the different tiers that we're playing around with, but I, I want to dial it in to where it's uh very simple. I don't want it to be too crazy because once you get crazy, you get people going, ah, I don't know what to get. And, you know, I'd rather make it very, very clear. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, cause that's what a lot of people, uh, people in, in your field have done wrong with Kickstarters. They have too many tiers and it makes it impossible yeah. for them to even fulfill the orders cause they can't keep it straight with people order. And then it's like, just right. the, the logistics of it becomes impossible. Yeah, I think I have, I think it's like maybe five tiers. I mean, there, there's a couple extra ones that are like the fulfillment is easy. It's like your name in the book is one of them. Right. And then another one is like you get killed in the book because there's, <laughs> there's a, there are going to be a lot of death. Uh, nice. you know, uh, so, you know, you, you, you get, you can get killed in a book. You can have your name in a book. So those aren't necessarily like fulfillment things. Uh, and you know, the other thing too is, is like having a system, right? Like, you know, tier one is yellow. Tier two is blue. Tier three, you know, that sort of thing for when you do fulfillment, like this is, mm-hmm. you, you, you have like a spreadsheet and you go there, get, these are your blue labels, mm. these are your yellow labels. And then when you put those packages together, you have things that correspond. So there, there are ways to keep track of things. Perfect. Perfect. So, so what is it about black flag that you think has made people still fuck with it after all these years? It's, um, it's pure nineties. That's number one. And then number, yeah. And then number two, this is the thing that I get all the time, which like it, it makes me feel good and it cracks me up at the same time. When people say things like, like that, that have never seen it before, like people, the old schoolers are like, hell yeah, nineties, bring it back. Right. Cause they, they, they want that thing. Mm-hmm. And it, and obviously it resonated with them because you have, uh, a soldier, you have, uh, uh an anime for all intents and purposes, an anime girl, you have mm-hmm. a, a big giant gorilla, you have a magician, you have a funky alien that gets into weird Spider-Man poses, and you have two little kids with strange powers. Like, what a weird blend, right? So, right, right. so there's that. But then the people that are unfamiliar with it will say things to me like, man, that's that 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 reminds me of Overwatch. And I go, well, 
this came out 20 years before Overwatch. <laughs> or they'll right. see Sniper and go, oh, man, that looks like Gears of War. And I go, well, well. this came out <laughs> 10 years before Gears of War. So, right, right. so I know that the people that are interested in it, uh, I feel I'm, I'm not even saying Overwatch was directly affected by uh, Black Flag. They were probably certainly affected by the same things I was affected by. But I did... I do believe I was the first one to kind of make this soup out of all of these different archetypes. And I think that that the fact that you can have like the, the way I describe it to people that have never seen it before that are comic book fans. Mm-hmm. I, I will say Geisha is Tony Stark if if he was a woman, you know, mm-hmm. Sniper is Captain America if the country did him wrong. Right. <laughs> This character, this character right here is, uh, uh, imagine, uh, Nightcrawler if he was an alien and autistic, right? This mm-hmm. character here is, uh, is Doctor Strange. These characters here are like Wily Kit and Wily Cat, right? Like, so they go, oh, okay, I get it. Like the dynamic of how these characters would work together is like that. So there's something for everybody and that everybody started with me. Right. The the reason why I do these things is because I'm a huge uh, fan of Doctor Strange and I want to draw metaphysical stuff where we go into the deep, dark parts of the mind and other dimensions. I want to draw that stuff. The reason why I have an alien that gets into crazy poses is because I'm a huge Tom McFarlane fan and I like drawing weird poses and crazy goop you know the reason i have (laughs) the reason i have uh sniper is i I love gi joe i love punisher but i also like the idea that somebody's ideals can be fucked with you know like the 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 fact that someone could go through life being taught to be a patriot being taught these ideals and then realize like oh it's like i like i like the exploration of that, or if you're sort of a deputante, right? And a smart deputante, but then your dad dies and you get a multi-billion dollar company left to you. Like, what would that do to a person? You know, all of these things. And like my favorite character, I love drawing gorilla and gorilla is, is basically like, um, he's, he's, uh, he's like a child, but he's also like Johnny Five from Short Circuit. Anything that he <laughs> sees, he absorbs. But he also, when he he's all he's a lot like the Hulk. Also, that the more angry he gets, the more uh, savage he gets, and he gets less smart, but he gets more powerful. Like his his claws grow, his teeth grow. He gets even larger, uh, and he just kind of does like a berserk rage, like a Wolverine does. Mm-hmm. And then once he calms down, he can kind of get more in intelligent again so he's kind of like the hulk and and beast and wolverine in in one big package wow yeah Yeah, so that that's definitely a great pitch for so what gave you the bug to want to get back out there like doing actual comics again because i know that like you've done some work recently which we'll touch on in a second but it's been it's been a minute since you've done some interiors right uh well I did this past uh fall and winter I did some some issues of He-Man for DC mm-hmm. um and that that was really uh number one I really wanted to work with Tim Seeley like in a major way yeah. I loved him uh I also wanted to get my my uh I wanted to get back into fighting shape you know like I I spent 
almost six years working in animation, directing. Uh, and directing is, is as much as it's creative, you don't do as much drawing as, as, mm-hmm. as you would like, especially like I'm, I, I have a, a, a question to constantly find. I ended up doing my, my grave graphic novel. I drew a panel a day over a year while I had a day job because I, I had this sort of compulsion. Um, but the characters that really just kind of nag at me in my sleep were the black flag characters. Like I have, I have an idea book of about four, 45 different ideas. I've got, um, you know, I have my book gear station. That's mine. Uh, that's been out. I've got black flag. I've got the grave. But then, like I said, I've got like a whole nother, uh, 42 other ideas. I, and I'd say not, they're not all good. Like the way <laughs> I write music. The way I write music, like we, we talked about the mixtape thing. I've written 90 tracks, okay? Mm. I've written, and I'm talking musically. Of those 90, I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write to 20 of them. Of those 20, 10 are gold. That's mm-hmm. the mixtape, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, it's the same way with these ideas, right? Like I have 45 ideas. Of those ideas, there's probably five that are like, solid that are going to be legacy ideas and i feel like black flag is the one that's been like telling me in my sleep when i'm brushing my teeth that they have they're nagging at you they nag they have the life of their own and they're like draw me make me make me real (laughs) so that's really what it is it's just this sort of like it's like an itch i don't know how to explain it other than that it's like they want to they want to exist I think I can help you. That sounds like Cool World a little bit to me. Okay, I, I, I think I've seen it once. It's Brad Pitt in the yeah Brad uh, uh, what was Gabriel her name? something yeah uh, Kim Gabriel Bassinger Burn. right Kim Bassinger played the girl, but I'm trying to remember her name. She was really well drawn. Yes, yes, I can't it think was, of her name either. Yeah, it's some kind of sex pun, I believe. It was definitely some kind of sexy pun. Yeah, yeah, and she had that cool little Marilyn Monroe dress. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. That was actually a dope movie, man. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to uh, check it out again because I think I saw it in the theater early, mm-hmm. real early, uh, early Brad Pitt. I, yes. If, I'm, if I remember right, let me, let me. I'm I'm looking it up right now, <laughs> uh, so we can get the 1992. That was 92. Yeah, wow. man. Important uh, year. See, that's what I thought her name was, but I but I didn't want to say it. Her name's Ho- Hollywood. Yes, Hollywood. Not yeah. a sexy pun, but it's a pun. Yeah. Yeah, but but her name is not it's H O L L I W O U L D like I would, you would. Oh, Hollywood. there we go. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because yeah. uh in that movie when um uh, when it, when it starts out, Gabriel Byrne is in jail for something, and then he keeps having Hollywood with nagging him in his head, like draw me, you make want to draw me, blah 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 blah. So that's exactly. Yeah. So when you said that, that's the first thing that my mind went to. It's like that, man. It really <laughs> is. It's like I don't know, I don't know. How, it must be what like uh, a drug addict feels like when they need a fix. Right. You know, like I, the reason my Instagram is called Couch Doodles is my wife had just had my daughter. This is back in 2012. I had a sketch pad everywhere, and I still do. I have them in my office. I have one in the living room, the bedroom, the kitchen, the car, 
the bathroom. Uh, but I found that I was doing a lot of drawing on the couch, like holding the baby and drawing. Uh, I draw compulsively. Like I just, mm. I just do. Um, but it's, it's almost like, um, for lack of a better phrase, it's like masturbation if it doesn't have purpose. <laughs> Right. <laughs> right, so I, right, right. I, I better filter. I think with those characters telling me to do that and with my compulsion, it's saying put it to work. Mm. I mean, yeah, I, that makes total sense, man. Uh, so now this you brought it up. So let's touch on the Masters of the Universe work again. So how did that work come about for you? I think it came about uh, out of the the fact that i worked for mattel for the that five and a half years right. while i was there i worked on several projects i worked on monster high ever after high max steel hot wheels poly pocket a lot of development for stuff i can't even talk about uh but while i was there i had to draw like on especially the development side i had to draw in i can't even I've lost track more than 20 different styles, right? Mm. Like a, a cartoon style, an anime style. When I would do f corrections on storyboards on other movies, I'd be drawing in, in sort of a more, uh, like uh, an aesthetic that was for a girl's property. When I was doing stuff for Smack Steel, I was drawing stuff more superhero. When I was doing Hot Wheels, it was more car oriented. So I was constantly evolving my style. So when this this Masters in the Multiverse came about, and one of the the um, I don't want to call it a burden, one of the uh, challenges of that series is that there are he he men he mans I don't know how you say it multiple <laughs> he man uh, from from the movie world from the cartoon world from the video game from the the space series from all these different series. They wanted uh, somebody that could pull off these different styles. And when they came up with that series, one, and this is after I'd been laid off from Mattel because Mattel had gone through some hardships. They laid off like 2,200 people. They almost killed my entire right. they, they My department went from over 100 people to six people by the time it was my last Ooh. day. But some of the, one of those six people that's still there to this day said, yo, you got to call Frega. And I basically said, uh, no, uh, no, thanks. I don't draw comics anymore. <laughs> then, then, then it was, but you're the only one. Nah, I'm good. Thanks. <laughs> and then, uh, and plus I'm out here in Georgia working, doing storyboards for TV shows, you know? And then they said, uh, well, Tim Seeley is writing it. And I went, oh shit. Okay. <laughs> All right, right. I'll do it. Yeah. So that's, it came about because they were familiar with the fact that I could rise to the challenge of these multiple, uh, versions of He-Man. So that, that's what, that's how it came about. Very cool. So now that you, you got your foot back wet in the, uh, in the comics game and, and like you're doing Black Flag, are there any plans or, or would you be open to the prospect of doing more big two or big three work after Black Flag is done? No. Uh, no, and the, the, the reason why is, is, uh, Black Flag is the flagship book of my, uh, brand new comic company. It's an old name. It's the, it's what my comic company was called in high school with my buddy Mike. It's called Incredible mm. Comics. 
uh, I have uh, a rollout, right? Like, so if, if Black Flag does well and can pay for itself, that means I can do another issue. If Black Flag does extremely well or better than well, I now have extra money that I can go hire uh, the team I want to execute this other idea of mine. Once Black mm. Flag, once Black Flag is done, I can't, I can't tell you what the next project is, but it's already being written. Uh, mm. I'm going to jump right into that. And, and, and what I want to have, like by 2023, if we still have a planet, uh, <laughs> I, I hope to have those five books I was telling you about. I hope to have those, yeah. I hope to have those out. I hope to have animated content, uh, you know, cause that's a place that's where I feel like I, I, I'm a lucky guy. Like I, I know a lot of comic creators that go, I would love to have an animated blah, blah, blah. Out of all of my contemporaries, I'm, I do believe I'm the only one that has actually animated hundreds of hours of animated content. Mm -hmm. I know, I know the pipeline from inception to delivery. Uh, which is a, a unique skill to have. So if I had that in house, even if it was a small team, uh, the animation can happen. But anyway, uh, no, I have, here's the thing. I have no interest in, uh, anything from the, the big two or three. If you're saying three is image, um, uh, image, image, I would only be doing my own stuff and I'm doing my own stuff. So that takes image out. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. with DC, uh, they don't have any toys I want to play with. Like they, they don't. <laughs> and enough. the only, only character I want to play with over at Marvel is Spider-Man. I like Spider-Man. I love Spider-Man in every iteration. I mean, I've got Miles Morales on my shirt. You know what I mean? Like I, I yeah, love, I, I love Spider-Man. Like I love, I love all of the spider universe. Uh, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, and, I don't know, man. I have my own, I have my own characters that sort of, like I said, when I designed Black Flag back in 1995, it was a love letter to the things I love. So what fills me an artist is drawing the things I want to draw and draw the things that make me excited. Cause I got to sit at this desk for 10, 12 hours a day. I, I don't want to draw shit. I don't want to draw, you know? <laughs> so, so, so if I have, if I have, uh, the full say so to draw the things I want to draw, or if I want to change a scene mid stride, nothing that's going to like break the plot. But like, if I'm like, you know what, man, it'd be cool if this happened, as long as I like story wise, anybody that tells a story, their, their, their story beads, like a string of, uh, of beads. Mm -hmm. Right. And as long as you get from point A to point B to point C, all the stuff in between point A and point B, you can fuck with it. The whole way, mm -hmm. as long as those other things are are kept sturdy, and you can mess with those too, as long as A and Z end up know your beginning and right. know your end. And I like that freedom. I like going. Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm gonna add a bunch of ninjas to this scene because that would be fun. I want to draw ninjas <laughs> today, and I can. And you can, right? And I can. I can't do that with Spider Man. I gotta kind of adhere to it. And now that they're you know big, big they went from corporation to like the mouse uh can't you can't really you don't that freedom doesn't exist mm -hmm. yeah so you're, yeah that's my long-winded right that's my long-winded answer, answer. <laughs> no i mean no no that, that, that's a great answer though uh and, and i guess a uh, little sidebar i think that ultimately the worst thing that marvel ever did was have disney buy it <laughs> 
Because I feel like now, like, the the books are just so pussyfied now, man. Like, they, they're afraid to take any risks. I, I hear that they aren't paying, like, way that they used to. They got rid yeah. of... They, they uh, ended, like, the Max line. They ended uh, the Icon line. Things that helped out their creators do their own shit and while they're playing with the toys. So, yeah. And, yeah, like, that, there's a lot of missteps, man. Like, uh, I just had a conversation but with my buddy Brian uh, before we, we hopped on where uh, I was telling him, like, you know, the, the comics that I used to like, like my favorite year of comics, uh, was 1989. Like that, like that, that, you know, I started collecting in, uh, like hardcore collecting in 84. Uh, but like 89 was my favorite year. I, I, once I broke into comics, I collected peripherally, but I was so busy making them that I didn't, it wasn't the same, you know, kind of like, Watch a magic show and not knowing how the magic's done and then knowing how all the magic's done. So now you look at the magic show through the eyes of how well they do a trick. You know how it's done. So, but 1989 was my favorite year. You could go into a comic shop. You can get a John Byrne comic, a Frank Miller comic, an Art Adams comic, a Jim Lee, Rob Liefeld, Todd McFarlane, Eric Larson, Dale Keown, Sam Keith, <laughs> all on the same week, right? And, and, and right, the stories, right. these stories, like even the ones that had social commentary, like the stuff like that, like Neil Adams and, and uh, Danny O'Neill were doing things th- talking about uh, racism and drugs and, uh, you know, misogyny and, and any of these sort of topics. They didn't hit you over the head with them. They 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 were stories that you when you were done and you closed the book, you thought about them, you know, mm-hmm. that that sort of thing. But at the end of the day, you still like felt like entertained right like in, mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. and a lot of those stories still stay with me you know there was a a, a, a mcfarland hulk i think it was like 239 uh where he he has to fight this sort of man bull character uh and uh i remember like being choked up and crying at the end you know of course it came out when i was 14 and a lot of shit made me cry but uh <laughs> you know but but it was a poignant enough comic uh i miss I miss those kind of comics and those are the kind of comics I want to make is, is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, no restrictions, you know, no restrictions. And I like the idea of, of, uh, of that freedom. Like what, what I was saying in the other, uh, mm-hmm. answer in the other question, I want to make comics that excite me. Uh, and like you said, I guess the word you use was pussified. Yeah. Yes. You know, and, and there's also like what I consider drop balls, right? Like why, why would you, in the heat of having your characters on the big screen and every person in the planet pretty much knows who Tony Stark is. And then if it's a, someone who's never bought a comic that says, I want to buy a comic, they go into the store to buy Iron Man and now it's a little girl. Where's Tony Stark? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, why would you do that? Why would you turn why would you turn Iron Man into a girl uh when when on the screen he's he's uh he's Tony Stark. You know what I'm saying? Tony that's Stark, what I, yeah. that's what I mean by drop ball. It's like I have no problem with like with uh uh a girl being turned into an Iron Man character, but like you she should be uh if you want to say she's the new Iron Man, go ahead and do that. But to take Tony Stark out of the picture, I feel like it's a missed opportunity for comics. That was like the biggest billboard to get people in the comic book stores. And mm-hmm. when they got there, 
there was nothing for them to grab. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's that's actually a very good point. But at the same time, though, if it, I feel like they also right before that happened, they kind of made the books too much like the movies too. And I, and I get why they did that, but I kind of prefer the long continuity that, that we've had since the sixties, instead of making it like the, uh, a better start in, in 2010 or some shit or oh, yeah. around that same time. Oh, so I'm, I think that yeah. I'm in no way saying make them line up with the movies. I think that's a mistake. That's what movie adaptation okay. is for. What's, oh. what's cool about the movies is that they had this well, of great stories, the long continuity that you're talking about to to get dip into to mm-hmm. make these movies from. So if I want more of that, I should be able to go to a comic store and get it. I'm not saying more of the movie. I'm saying more of the stuff that the movies were made from, which is gotcha. the stuff you're talking about. But mm-hmm. even that doesn't and, exist. Yeah, true. And that answer that you gave kind of explained what I was going to get into next because I was kind of wondering because, of course – as people know, like you, you said that you're part of Comicsgate, and you've you've helped me understand it more because from from the outside perspective, when I hear Comicsgate, I, I think that's the exact opposite of what you would be and, and what you would stand for, based right. on like same thing in politics today, right? Comicsgate seems to be a, a little far an opposite way that I am. Like because when I hear Comicsgate and things that people who are proponents of Comicsgate say, I think racism. It's right. sexism, but but, right. but you've explained it in a way that's very palatable to me, and right. I, and, I, and I and I appreciate I appreciate the fact that you said it. Oh no, no problem, man. That's the, that that seems to be um, the the topic that people want to understand because um, obviously anybody that's known me knows that I'm not for racism, I'm not for misogyny, right. I'm not for homophobia, none of that. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that I've known s- some of the people in Comicsgate, like e- Ethan Van Skyver, for example, mm-hmm. I've known Ethan since 1995. I know for a fact that a lot of the the things said about him are unsubstantiated. They're unsubstantiated. Uh, ups- what's the word? You know what I'm saying? Unsubstantiated. There we go. Thank you. There, there, there's no, <laughs> there's nothing there. Like when I say to people, I'm like. Really? Show me where. Well, he made this sketchbook that da da da. I said, yeah, but it had the villain on the cover, and it it was the villain saying that. Like, if I drew Hitler being a bad guy, he's a bad guy. So, am I a Nazi because I drew a bad guy being a bad guy? It shouldn't be the case, you know. Or the the other thing too. For example, when um, Snowflake and Safe Space came out a few weeks ago, I made a I made a, a statement saying. Snowflake and Safe Space uh, are an insult to trans, LGBTQAI people. It's like blackface is, Absolutely. is what I, I said. Mm-hmm. You know what some people said? That is the most homophobic, racist thing I've ever heard. When in fact I was saying completely <laughs> something different. But be- yeah. because, you know, it's it's like, first off, I'm not a Republican. I am nowhere near a conservative or the right. I'm more middle left leaning. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I, I'm i not going to talk politics, but I did not vote for our president. Like that mm-hmm. was not my that was not my choice. Now, I'm with Comicsgate and from the outside, like I've had people basically uh, 
at face value say, oh, I'm not down with you anymore. You're down with hate and bigotry and all this, Frega. I thought better of you. I'm out. And and what I want to say is like, how about hitting the pause button and saying, if they're this, why would you join them? And then I could say, well, it's because I believe that Comics Gate is not a cult. I believe that they're they are not racist. I believe that they're not misogynist and I believe they're not homophobes. I also believe that it's not a monolith. Comicsgate is made up of several creators. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we've got uh, every every race, we've got every gender, we've got uh, every every uh, sexual choice as members of Comicsgate, and there are guys that are full on Democrats. There, there, there are people from different levels, like Andrew Huerta. He lives out in L.A. You know, uh, Ethan is up in, in, in upper, upper Jersey area. Uh, what's up, buddy? So there, there's all these different viewpoints. And what Mm -hmm. I did is I did some investigating on how that, how people arrived at this conclusion. And the thing I realized quite quickly, especially because of things that had happened to me is that there is a, uh, there is a war going on. Like it, and I know it sounds crazy because all I want to do is make good comics, but there's a war going mm-hmm. on. The second I said I was Comicsgate, I had my Instagram. Uh, over a hundred times people try to hack my Instagram. I get email after email. Did you want to reset your password? Over a hundred of them. Whoa. Went. That same day, my PayPal, someone tried to hack it. That same day, my Twitter, people tried to hack it. Then I, I went to make an incredible comics Twitter account. As I'm filling it out, they give me the name Incredible Kamai One, and I'm like, oh, why can't I put comics? They say you have to limit it to 15 characters. I said, okay, how about Incredible Comic? That name is already taken. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll just put an X, you know, comics. I put it, my, my graphics, all this shit. And then I think, I wonder who has Incredible Comic. Maybe they're a comedian. Maybe they're a store. Let's take a look. I took a look. Someone had taken my logo that I had posted only a couple days before, put it there, taken some of my gorilla artwork, put it in the icon, and put Frega Boom as the description. Wow. Well, they took their old Twitter account because it said it was started in 2015. They took their old Twitter account and renamed it Incredible Comic to pretend they're me. Why? Right? So anyway. Reading, like taking this off of me, like I said, I did the research. Like, how would they arrive at the at the conclusion that this is a bunch of racists and homophobes and 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 misogynists? And I and I looked at the history of Comics Gate itself. Right, mm-hmm. you had uh, Richard C. Meyer, you had uh, Captain Cumming. They were guys on YouTube that were doing critical reviews of comics. Okay. Uh, and, and basically saying some of the stuff I was saying, like, don't just make a comic to check a box. You know, if you're going to, if you want to make a, a, a character gay, that's great, but they should be a character that happens to be gay, not the gay character. Okay. That's, mm-hmm. th- these are the types of things they were saying. Much like the, the, the comment I was making about safe space and, 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 uh, uh, snowflake. Snowflake, yeah. Right. So, they they were making these videos, and somewhere along the line, people at editors at Marvel uh, were not happy with him 
tried to shut down his Patreon, tried to get him fired from his job, were, were, uh, found out his kid's name on Xbox and was harassing his kid. Okay. Mm. So he, this is Richard Meyer. So in a private mm-hmm. chat, a private chat, not even like publicly, he was upset when he saw some of these people in a photo with them in milkshakes, right? Yep. Said some salacious things. They sucked their way to the top. Uh, they're not qualified to be there. Uh, and called one of them a cum dumpster, right? Mm-hmm. In a private chat. Well, somebody in that private chat decided to copy paste and make that public. Mm-hmm. Well, now he can be labeled all those things that they want to say about him, even though he was being attacked and said something privately, like, I'm sorry, but if you mess with my kids, I might say some mean things, right? He said those things. So Comicsgate and Richard C. Meyer were labeled this sort of thing. Ethan, on the other hand, because he voted for Trump, because he wore a MAGA hat, a lot of people on the far left will call anybody that's on the right uh, a Nazi. It's like the, the, the popular thing to do. Oh, you're a, you're a right wing Nazi, right? And back three, four years ago, it wasn't even an incendiary thing. It was just like, oh, that person's a Nazi and whatever. But then, mm-hmm. but then as time goes on and woke, woke culture comes about. And of course, like I said, he did that sketchbook, which was not uh, a good look, but uh, it was the bad guy. He wasn't saying, I'm a Nazi. My struggle. I, I support Nazis. He was saying this guy's a bad guy and this is a pamphlet this bad guy would put out. That's what he did. But you couple that with these two guys uh, coming together and, and putting this stuff out uh, and they, they get a reputation, right? So mm-hmm. that's where some of that, that reputation comes from. But then when you have uh, another side that I really believe is trying to um, – it's not about diversity. It's not about doing the right thing. I think it's about about control, right? Like when someone like J. Scott Campbell draws a girl the way he's always drawn, and you get a, a bunch of people saying things like, uh, where are her organs? Men shouldn't draw women. They, they, someone should break his hands. You get that level of stuff. Or you get, mm-hmm. or you get people that are higher ups at high, at publishers like Valiant, Marvel, and DC saying things like, if you voted for Trump, like Dan Slott, he's a writer. If you voted for Trump, I don't want your fucking money, right? Why would you alienate your customer, right? Why would you do that? Like your customer's buying your book and likes your work, but now you're insulting them for who they voted for, right? You get someone like Heather Antos saying that, that, uh, we have the worst fans. America has the worst fans. Why do you insult your fans? Right? Like there's this whole sort of like control thing happening. And I feel like comics gate first off got the, the, all of that bad rap out of, out of, uh, it's easier to name call than it is to actually like deal with issues. So they mm-hmm. name call. So you can go, you can paint them with that, that brush. It's like Dave Chappelle said, uh, when people call them crazy, he said, don't ever call anybody crazy because the second you do, everything they do is painted underneath that, that coloring, right? So if you say, mm-hmm. oh, that guy's a Nazi, if he says or does anything, you're going to look at it through the Nazi filter. Or if you say that guy, 
that guy uh, is a womanizer. And if he's like hugs a woman, you go look at him, look at him doing his thing. You know, like he may just be giving them a hug. Like it's a, it's an easy tactic to do. What I found out, like I said, after doing the research and meeting more people is these are creators that are passionate about doing comic books that are the, like the, the way that they used to be. And I don't mean like the make comics great again sort of thing. And I don't mean like, well, comics used to be ran by a bunch of white men, so it needs to go back to that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is giving the reader what they want. When I buy a comic book, I buy a comic book because a comic is different than a movie. Comics have different, mm-hmm. different, uh, I call them conventions, but not like a convention you go to, but comics have different conventions right. that make them uniquely comic book. You know, that's why I buy a comic, mm-hmm. but it, over the years, like you said it yourself, the pussification of comics has happened and there's, and I don't, outside of the culture war, I don't understand it because these are definitely not designed to be sold. Like, I don't want to buy these stories. They don't interest me. Mm-hmm. And maybe you could say I'm not the audience, but where did the audience go? You know what I'm saying? Like, where did the audience go? So, and I believe that Comicsgate respects that customer and wants to make comics in that way for that customer that was lost. And that's why, for me, I want to be part of that. And I don't care about all the, the tags and names because, again, it's unsubstantiated. Hey, buddy. Uh, it, there's, 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 in all of my research, the only thing that I found that had anything to do with, with any accusation was the Richard C. Meyer thing that he said that they sucked themselves to the top and the, the cum dumpster thing. But that was said out of anger in a private chat that somebody straight mm-hmm. up copy pasted and outed him on. You know, why did they do that? Why would somebody be in, you know, like a, a, a spy to do that? It could, mm-hmm. it's warfare, right? Why would all of a sudden my shit be hacked? Why would people now call me a racist and a homophobe when I'm not? Cause they're, we're literally at like, it's a, it's a weird culture war. And my way of fighting back is number one, I don't, no matter what you do, I don't name call. I don't get into mudslinging. I, you'll never, I'm not going to say anything bad about anybody. If people want to have a rational conversation, I will. I, if you want to say things like somebody was saying, Hey, you're just a, 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 a half-ass piece of shit, Rob Life alone. Somebody was trying to get me pissed off. I'm like, mm-hmm, no, man, mm-hmm. like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Carry on. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it, it just seemed weird that after I said I was comics gate, there were all of these attacks, but not in, not in a, a, um, if I was to fight for what is good, and this is another thing that, that I, I, I won't do. I won't call them SJWs. I know a lot of people do. I won't because social mm-hmm. justice is worth fighting for. And, and you know, you, you don't even need to put the word social on it. Justice is justice, right? And, and there are plenty of people that stood up for justice that are heroic that I admire. Right. So I won't call them SJWs. I call them Wokies because it's like, I'm so woke. I'm so woke. You don't realize what you're doing is this and what you're no, what you're doing is trying to control what I can and can't do. And that's wrong, you know. But like I said, I didn't have anybody. If I was going to fight for something and if I saw 
bigotry or or racism or hate, I wouldn't walk up to that person. Like if I saw, uh, I, I don't want to name any names because I I don't. Uh, but if I saw mm-hmm. artist X uh, being a racist, I would say, Yo, man, that's a bit racist. What are you doing? And that's how you approach it. I wouldn't go. Oh man, you're a clone of so and so and blah blah blah. You piece of shit. What do you da da da? That's just to rile that person up and get them angry. So then you can say, look, see, right? Those are the only tactics that I've seen thrown at me is to rile me up. But nothing ever, nothing ever like substantial because there is nothing. There's literally no material for you to build that house on because it doesn't exist. The only thing that has existed so far is is people trying to insult me, which isn't going to work. I don't get mad. I won't. Um. Yeah, uh, thank you for saying that. But uh, a couple of points I want to make, though. Uh, Mike S. Miller, when he did his Kickstarter, so this is what I see personally as a black dude. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Ben Shapiro, because being being a, being a minority, I can sense certain undertones when people say things. Like prime example in the in the sixties, I believe, when Nixon ran and turned the. Democratic Party into the Republican Party, basically. He had certain undertones of things that he said that was coded language, uh, which has been substantiated. That's called dog whistle. Yes. Yeah. Something, and Ben Shapiro, in my opinion, he does that a lot. Yeah. And the same yeah. thing, same thing with that, uh, with the reviewer that you spoke of before. I've seen some of his videos too, and I definitely heard some undertones and some subtext that maybe other people may not have heard. Uh-huh. So in those two instances, I definitely can tell you. Uh, from a black dude, I have heard some of those undertones and some of the people from that movement. Okay. Um, and then I'm like, okay, so let's go back to 1940, whatever the fuck, and the picture of Captain America punching Hitler on on, on the cover of uh, Captain America comics number one, yeah. right? Yeah. So if a person is a racist or they're saying things that I feel are an, have an undertone of racism, I don't get mad, particularly if somebody just comes out and attacks them too. Now, don't be, you can't count that racism with racism but you say fuck you you fucking racist i'm all for it because yeah. if that's what that person is sure and i have heard undertones from certain people in comics gate that had that same tone to me not for really you. and i'm glad you've explained it i definitely have yeah okay um and, and besides the mark and the mike x miller i can't think of anyone off the top of my head I, and i think that Ethan at times has said some things that are a little undertony to me too, but of course you know him better than I do. Yeah. But um, the the, the one example I can say were two examples, like the guy from YouTube and Mike S. Miller. In fact, he would associate with Ben Shapiro, who I think is a very very thinly veiled racist. There, he is what he is. Oh, I'm not a racist, although I I caught five people they were today. We didn't right. Hit me. So the, right. So the fact that I, I've seen that with those people, and um. Kind of, it, that kind of gave me some pause about the whole comics gate thing, but I do agree with you for the most part in terms of what it stands for, what it should stand for. But at right. the same time, uh, I kind of feel like if, if I have a someone that I call a friend, right, yeah. and that friend beats his wife, and I was oh yeah, he, he beats his wife, but he's still my friend. That makes me kind of right for sure, off too. for sure, for sure. I believe that. Yeah, yeah. So. 
And then, but I'm glad that you brought up things about comedy and, and other people in it who aren't that way. And you are a hundred percent right. And they shouldn't do anything to have any attacks to you personally. And I, and I feel like maybe they aren't listening. So when you joined comics gay, I said, okay, if Dan joined, I want to not talk to him. I want to talk to him about it and get his views on it. And I'm sure. glad you've expressed those views to me because sure. it, it opened things up a lot. Yeah. That, well, but yeah, that's, that's the thing too. Like, uh, First off, I don't know anybody like using the metaphor, the, the beats his wife. I don't know anybody personally that is doing anything that I would, I would be like, yo, you know what I'm saying? I don't, I haven't witnessed mm-hmm. any uncoolness at all, mm-hmm. especially from people I know. Uh, you bring up Mike Miller. I did witness some uncoolness from him. You know, when he, when he's saying pride's a sin, like, look, listen, man, like, it's not for you to judge it's for god to mm-hmm. judge and and you need to make your comic and and keep that to yourself why would you want to alienate people you know like that's that that's bigotry in itself right like mm-hmm. who are you to say that you know uh but going back to the 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 whole thing about judging when people say it's a cult comics gate is a cult it's not and when, when, uh, again, the, the whole judging it as a whole, right? Like if, if there are people in the group that are racist, uh, I think that in any demographic of anybody that like Marvel comics, I guarantee you has racists, right? <laughs> yeah. DC comics point, has yeah. racists. They all have all of the things Good that point. Comicsgate is is accused of, but you don't go and say Marvel's racist, and you don't go and say DC's racist. But for some reason, Comicsgate as a whole is a thing, right? But it's not. Like I said, it's made up of a group of of several creators, individuals. Say what? Oh, individuals. In, yeah, absolutely, individuals that all have different, varying degrees of what motivates them. And like I said, I haven't seen any hate or bigotry or, or intolerance or anything from anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I personally, the only thing I'm intolerant of is intolerance. Like I don't like if I see somebody, I'll be the first to call someone out. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like I just that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully you being a, a member of Comics Day will allow people to hopefully take a step back and actually instead of attacking others who's doing the same thing that they don't want people to, to do the, the, those other groups, take the time out and actually listen. So, so say so they can see both, both of the viewpoints. Yeah. Yeah. And because I, I, because you've explained it better than anyone else ever has. to. Yeah. I, I thought about it a lot. You know, that's the thing is <laughs> I like, I, I can say this, uh, there's also a lot of uh, the other thing that's involved. And the, when I said I said I'm comics gate, I, I had uh, four kinds of encounters with people that I, I know and don't know. There was mm-hmm. there's uh, there's in, there's version one, which is the fuck you, Frega. How dare you? I'm out. And this there was a, plenty of those people. Right. Then there was the. uh Hey man, uh, I just want you to know, uh, I'm still your friend. I know you're cool. Uh, I know you're a good dude, but just don't say my name. Okay. 
Like there's that, right? Then there, there was the third one, which was, Hey man, what's up? Tell me about what's going on. Like you, you're asking me questions. You want to know. Then there's the fourth, the fourth one that is like, dude, I know you fucking do you who fucking cares. Right. Mm -hmm. What I noticed about the number two, the one, the one that, and it also has a bit to do with the, the number one, but the number two, the people are like, you're still my friend. Just don't say anything. Don't say my name is it's fear, right? Like this fear of losing friends. The fear of Mm -hmm. professionals not wanting to talk to you anymore. The fear of not getting uh, any work with the mainstream anymore. The fear of, you know, being labeled these things, even though you're not, right? Uh, I I interviewed Todd McFarlane on on March 5th. And that his interview had a profound effect on me because he gave me uh, an understanding of what makes him tick. And I realized, like, those are, A, a lot of things I see in myself or B, a lot of things that I want to be more amplified within myself. And one of the things is is the idea of freedom uh, and not in the wave of flag like freedom, but like just mm-hmm. just saying, you know what, man, I want to say and do what I want to say and do without worrying about how I will be perceived. Because if I truly believe this thing, I should be able to scream it from a mountaintop, right? The People that are like, yo, you're my homie, just don't say my name. They're, they're afraid. They're afraid like, oh, I'm going to lose all of this shit, which I did. I had heroes of mine tell me they're not down with me anymore. Okay. I had friends tell me don't fucking call me anymore. You know, mm-hmm. I had I had people that were going to work with me on the project say I'm out. Right. These are all things to truly like if you're if you're going to be afraid of shit. These are all things to really be afraid of. I went through them. They happened. I'm still here. Right. And, uh, and, but the more, more importantly, I feel free. I feel free and I'm not afraid because I know one, I know I'm, I'm doing the right thing. Uh, mm-hmm. and then two, there's, there's something I don't know how to explain it other than to say, like, if you had a genie and the genie says, I will give you one bonus wish, but I'm going to tell you what that wish is going to be. Wouldn't you like to know where you stand with everyone? Mm. Would you take it? Because that's scary, right? Like if mm-hmm. like you go, man, I wonder if I could read my wife's mind. Would you really want to? Like would if you found out she fucking hates your guts, you know? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I'm just saying like right, right. like you're right. I feel, yeah, yeah, so that genie wish literally happened, right? Find out where you stand in this world. And I did. Like, you know, 200 Facebook friends gone like that. You know, a good 10, 15 professionals that I've known for more than 30 years, gone like that. I go, you know what? Who's still here? Yep. And they're not still here because they support racism. They're here because they believe and trust in their friend. And they know they Mm -hmm. they know me. These other people, even though I, I wish I could say they know me, truly didn't. And there there's something very powerful and freeing to that. To know where I stand with everybody, I now know. Mm-hmm. I know who's yeah. I know who's down to roll with me. I know who's not going to leave me no matter what. 
I know who's going to bounce at the sign of trouble. I know who's afraid. I literally know, I, I know my landscape now. And there's something, I feel so confident in knowing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, to me, when I go and I draw, I go, dude, it's just, it's just for me and the fans. And, and I know, I know that, that, uh, I'm going to do good work. I'm not worried about shit. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, um, again, thank you for, uh, clearing that up for me because I'm like, ah, oh, if Dan's in there, I, I gotta hear what he has to say about it because, uh, he, yeah. You you painted Comics Gate in a better light for me because uh, like most people who who were uninformed or were just going off for not seeing it for the individuals who may have certain beliefs about comic books. Period. Because like say 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 going back to I'm not sure who started this uh, trend, but maybe a year and a half ago, like the comics are for everyone, and then I think that was predicated off someone from Comics Gate saying comics are for everyone. If I'm correct. You may know more than I do. About I don't know. That. I don't. I don't know if that. I have no clue about what you just brought up. Fair enough. Because comic <laughs> books, enough. comic books should be for everyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more people mm-hmm. reading comics, the better. It's good for me. Well, I want my comic in everybody's hands because I want them to experience the thrill that I experience. You know, mm-hmm. comics mm-hmm. are for everyone. Period. Period. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So uh, we'll we'll pivot back to some more. Uh, cool fun things to talk it about. it was all um, fun to talk about man i like that's why i said yeah. i have an open policy uh with uh-huh. any question any question i so it's all fun to me yeah like this has actually been a very a very great talk but um how long is your is your indigo is your indiegogo campaign going for Right now it's set for, it's going to be set for 30 days and, and uh okay, you know cool. I've seen guys run it for 60 it depends mm-hmm. on if there's a uh, a need for it like I'm not going to do the in demand stuff like I'm not going to leave a, a shop open it is it once it's done it's done uh you know so if at 30 days though it, it feels like there's momentum for more then I'll I'll do another 30 but right now it's 30 Perfect, perfect. And um, as we close up here, uh, what can people expect from your Couch Doodles YouTube show? As a matter of fact, uh, for people who may not know, for from your uh, web presence and then from our previous interview, what is Couch Doodles again? Couch Doodles is, um, well, I have the Instagram, which I post daily work and you know let you know about people through example and whether it's my example or the the people i'm interviewing uh good night buddy i love you i'll give you a kiss when i go to bed okay uh whether it's the whether it's the people i'm interviewing like uh for example i interviewed larry hama uh my great my i have i i've already interviewed 25 people two of those guests because of the comics gate thing said, I don't want you airing my interview. Mm. Even though, and I, I begged them. I literally was like, yo, dude, you know me, you know that this isn't a, like, this is not a comics gate interview. It's an interview about mm-hmm. creativity and getting people excited. So couch doodles is about getting people excited about creativity. And I have a multitude of guests that. I, I asked the same questions of all my guests. That's one of the things that I did to kind of even the playing field. I ask everybody the same mm-hmm. questions in the same order. What's great is you get 
varying answers. Like I interviewed Mike Mignola and Mark Bagley the same day. Okay. Mm. Creator Hellboy, uh, one of the hardest working dudes in comics, right? Their answers were so fundamentally different and opposing to one another's answers. Like they almost contradicted each other, but they're both masters at what they do. And for me and for what the show facilitates is I know that creative people come in different shapes and sizes and forms, right? Like I'm the kind of guy that if you tell me I can't, I will come at you harder, right? But there are some people that if you say you can't, they put their head down and they stop, right? Those are That's just a simple example. So I realized that someone could watch Mike Mignola's interview and just be like, hmm, maybe not. And then watch Mark Bagley's and be like, well, yeah, or vice versa. They may see Mark's and mm-hmm. go, I don't relate to that at all. But Jim Mahfoud, I definitely re- relate to his or Dennis Cowan's or Neil Adams or Rob Liefeld, like any of those guys I've interviewed, there's something there to each of them to empower creativity. And what I hope to do is have people be super excited uh, and want oh to create. I, I love you. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I'm hoping to do with my channel. So that's what Couch Doodles is. Is it, it's a it's a, a creativity hub, almost like a uh, a power pack. If you want to get charged up to, to create, <laughs> go see my show. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Th- that's a great way to put it. Um, so we can wrap up there, but uh, j- j- just so the fans know, on in- so uh, go to Indiegogo, type in Black Flag, and pulls your campaign up. Is, right. is there like a certain uh? Okay, perfect, yeah. perfect. So for everyone out there, the campaign starts today. You have thirty days to uh, fund it. So go to Indiegogo.com and type in Black Flag, and then the campaign will pop up. And please donate so we get this book out there and fund it. All right, uh, is there anything else you want to talk about, Dan? Thank you. I, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you.